Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Romans 11. It is very unfortunate how knowledge and arrogance often can go together. Just for instance, if you call someone a know-it-all, does that is that meant as a compliment? No, it's not. And we need to be careful in how we think about this because especially in our world, there are some that want to conflate knowledge or certainty of any kind with arrogance, that to truly be humble, you basically have to say, well, I don't know. And that is not true and actually pretty theologically dangerous because people will say, well, when you say this is the gospel and there is one way to get to heaven, people will say, well, that's arrogance. And you're saying, no, it's just based off of the Bible. So we want to avoid that. But also even First uh, Corinthians 8 talks about how knowledge puffs up. And certainly there is a type of knowledge that can lead us to a place of arrogance. But the right way to handle truth is to understand the scriptures, to to know what they say, um, but then for that to lead to the proper effect. And I guarantee you the intended effect of knowing scripture is never arrogance. The intended effect of knowing the scripture is never meant to puff you up. It should lead to humility and worship. And that's just a good litmus test as we read the Bible, as we study theology. If we look in the mirror and honestly ask ourselves, is my study in this leading me to be puffed up or arrogant or to think that I'm so good or I'm so smart, then something is probably off. The result should be I am humbled and I am amazed at God. Now, as we've been reading through Romans, especially Romans 9 through 11, we are touching on uh, some things that pertain to uh, the areas of theology where a lot of Christians even have differing opinions. When we're talking about how do we explain something like election, or today we'll get into what is God's plan for Israel, or what is the relationship of Israel and the church? These are important questions that I think the Bible can guide us to write answers in, but they are questions where even a lot of the Christians I know will have differing opinions about how to best explain or apply these things. And today's reading is helpful, I think, because it points us back to the big picture and clearly steers us towards humility and worship. So let's dig into Romans 11, and it starts, and a lot of what's going on in Romans 9 through 11 is Paul grappling with what's going on with his fellow Israelites. And so then at the very beginning of this chapter, he says, I asked then, has God rejected his people? And then he gives one of his favorite phrases, this strong answer, by no means. No, God has not rejected his people. And here's exhibit A, because I'm an Israelite and I'm saved. 
So clearly, God has not completely rejected Israelites because I'm a Christian and I'm following Christ. And then he goes on to explain that basically a remnant in these first 10 verses has been saved, but the rest have been hardened. And he goes back to the story of Elijah when Elijah thinks I'm all alone. And God says, no, there is a remnant. And then he says, chosen by grace there in verse five, uh, that has not bowed the knee to Baal. And that's true at this time too. There is a remnant chosen by grace. And that gets us back to chapter nine. Why is it that some Israelites are being saved and others aren't? Well, God's choice ultimately, and really his mercy. None of them deserve God's grace, but God is showing his mercy to them. And Paul goes on to explain that this is actually a bigger part of God's plan because through this hardening of many of the Israelites, salvation is now coming to the Gentiles. Verse 11. So I ask, did they, talking about the Israelites, stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So as to make Israel jealous. And so now we see that God is doing this work among the Gentiles, and Paul is not speaking theoretically here. Paul is speaking from experience, where first he went to the Jews and the gospel would be rejected, and so he would go to the Gentiles. And many Gentiles were saved through the ministry of uh, the Apostle Paul. But then in verse 17, in this next section, he really highlights how this should lead us to humility. It says in verse 17, but if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive branch, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. So it's saying, hey, Gentiles, don't get arrogant toward the Israelites. And again, Paul has pointed out the many advantages the Israelites had and how the law came through the Israelites and the Messiah comes through them and Abraham is the example. So don't get arrogant, Gentiles, because you are supported by this root and don't get cocky. We see that at the end of verse 20. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. So there we see some very clear warnings that seeing God's hardening over the Israelites should not cause us to be arrogant or cocky, but it should cause us to become humble or even as it says here to fear. To note, yes, God's kindness, but also his severity. And reading this gives me reminders of what we'll read later in the book of Hebrews, the warning passages to those who claim to follow Christ. And the danger is some will fall away. And so we need to heed that warning. And we shouldn't just look at Romans 9, 10, 11 and think, Okay, I've got it all figured out. There's a very practical application of I want to fear the Lord and I want to continue in his kindness, knowing that not everybody will. 
And again, that gets us to grapple with, well, God's sovereignty and human responsibility. What do we do? Because if God chose me, then God's going to, and God promises to keep me, then how can I not continue in his kindness? But that's where we need to stay on the boat as we talked about recently, of the scriptures. That yes, the Bible says God chose us. Yes, I think the Bible makes clear God will keep us. But yes, the Bible also says you need to fear and you need to continue in God's kindness or else you will be cut off. So that should be a humbling message for us to hear from this passage. And then really in verse 25, He gets from what God is doing now through the Israelites and among the Gentiles to what God is going to do for the future. And in verse 25, he says, lest you be be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. Now, what does this mean? Uh, A few ways, and again, this is something that is often disagreed about by biblical scholars. Some will say God will save all his people, and even Israel is now referring to God's people, Jew and Gentile. Uh, Some will say, well, God's going to save all of elect Israel throughout history. However, some would take this to mean God is going to save a large number of Jews in the end times. And I would put myself firmly in that camp, that God is not done with the people of Israel and that there is a future revival coming uh, among the ethnic Jewish people. And I think even some of what we see in Revelation and the 144,000 witnesses looks to the future and to this time. And right now there's this time of the Gentiles and waiting for the fullness of the Gentiles to come in. And one verse I think that really highlights that God has a future plan for the Israelites is verse 29, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Uh, That God will not go back on the promises he has made to Israel. Now, again, note where the chapter ends. We've been going through some deep theological waters. We've been going through some things that are still controversial among Christians. But where does it end? Verse 33 through 36 is a doxology. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. And when we choose to stick with what the Bible says, instead of leaning one way or the other too far into what makes sense to me, but I stick with, this is what the Bible says, so I'm going to lean into that. Our heart is expressing what Paul says here. We're saying God is wise and way beyond me. God doesn't need my advice about what makes sense to me. God doesn't need my advice about what seems fair to me. And those are issues that can come up a lot with what we discuss in these chapters. But we want to be people who say, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. 
We want to be people who are worshipers of God. So as we wrap up going through these three deep chapters, I do hope that you respond with humility, a humility that shows itself even in a fear to continue in the kindness of God, really taking that very seriously, not being flippant about your faith or anything like that, but being serious to continue to follow God. And also a response of worship, that you would look at God's wisdom and say, it's way better than anything that I could come up with. And even the parts of it that I don't feel like I fully understand, I'm going to trust the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. I'm going to take that every time over my own thoughts. So I hope we are people that are filled with knowledge, people that specifically know our Bibles. May that knowledge never lead to arrogance. May it lead us to humility and worship. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.